Welcome to Voices from the Frontline from the Christian Medical Fellowship, where we hear from healthcare professionals on the front line of the COVID-19 pandemic. And today I'm delighted to be joined by the pain specialist, Dr. Tom Yearwood, who is Senior Consultant in Pain Medicine in London. Tom has a MD, PhD, and is very much involved in implantable devices for chronic pain. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thank you. It's good to be here. I appreciate it. Well, it's great to have you here. Now, just hearing your accent right there, just um, just tell us, you haven't been in the UK for that long. What, what have you been doing up until now and what's brought you across the pond? Oh, well, uh, I have been a pain uh, specialist for over 35 years um, before they even had a specialty in pain. And um, I was uh, being gently reminded by my younger colleagues who wanted to assume... Um, uh, the leadership of the of the practice that I founded in pain medicine in uh, in Mississippi and Alabama, um, uh, that they they really wanted to to um, see how I was going to transition into retirement, and and I said, well, you know, I don't see retirement as a biblical <laughs> option. Uh, I you know Moses uh, had a calling to be a leader, and so he fulfilled his calling as a leader uh, until he was done. So I said, I'm. I can't imagine not being involved as a physician somehow in taking care of people. Uh, I had been courted for four, maybe five years by a very good friend of mine that I knew from multiple uh, international meetings. He, he, he worked here in London, and I thought he was joking the first couple of times that he, he offered me a job. I said, well, you know, I, I have a job. I, I uh, I, I run a very, very busy pain practice and I have, you know, thousands of patients. It's, this is not something I can just drop and uh, pick up and leave. And, 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 um, and when, and when uh, my, my colleagues started uh, speaking to me about uh, wanting me to step into retirement and move on along, I, I realized perhaps this was an opportunity to find out what God may have for me in a different environment. And um, he again offered me the job and, and I said, well, you know, let me go about the business of doing that. And so ultimately through all of the registration business with uh, the GMC and, um, and whatnot, and finally getting a, a uh, not only a license to practice, but getting a, um, a right to reside, a leave to stay, uh, a BPR, um, something, whatever it was. Um, I could finally rent a, a flat. So when we could rent a flat, then I could I could uh, officially start uh, as a um, as a consultant then uh, in pain medicine. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And obviously, you're here during this time of uh, of lockdown. Um, now, in your words, not mine, you told me that you'd been told you weren't allowed into the hospital partly because of your your age. Again, your words, not mine. Um, and I understand that you're doing a lot of your your uh, consultations by telephone. So, what's it like, you know, operating as a pain specialist when you must be used to laying your hands on patients to some degree to help them? Well, it's it's uh, it's it's been for me. Uh, the majority of my my clinical practice has been geared uh, around the physical exam. Uh, to me, it's incredibly important. Yeah. So, what happens when you can't do that? I'm assuming that your consults are now on the telephone only. Well, I had I had been quite ap- apprehensive because I've always relied on my physical exam to to give me uh, a sense of what the clinical diagnosis is, and then I go about getting the X-rays, the MRIs, the blood studies and everything else to either 
confirm or refute my clinical diagnosis and, and hone in on what things are, are going on. I always made it a practice not to look at uh, the x-ray or the MRI before I, I saw a patient. I made it a point to try and understand the patient in their physicality and then see what the MRI would tell me. And, and in the U.S., the most amazing thing is, is that the, the average patient that came to see me in my practice had seen eight other physicians, and they would uniformly always tell me I was the first doctor that ever put my hands on them. Now, what does that say about wow. the patient-physician relationship? It says a lot. I have patients still in the U.S. Who will, who will drop me a text or send me an email because I make it a point to make myself available to them. Yeah. Um, what does it mean for your consultations now? Are they all by telephone? Is that impacting you in that way? All of my all of my conversations are by telephone, um, and um, and and actually uh, they're not uh, with the we're not ramped up yet to be able to do them um, visually to have a virtual uh, clinic. So I can't see the patient. The patient can't see me, but but I can interact with the patients in a way that. Um, that I find, I find fantastic. Having had that kind of making those connections and having had that kind of interaction and and uh, and being being genuine in in caring about them because they are hurting, they do have a problem. It's not all in their mind. It's it's a real thing, um, uh, and and they have a sense that someone understands where they're coming from and cares about that. That gives me the opportunity for when I do see them after we're able to open up the clinic, they'll recognize my voice, they'll see my face, things will start to fall in place, I'll be able to put my hands on them in a certain way, and then that communication is going to happen. It's a little bit like, it's a little bit like right now um, doing church online, right? Like I love, I love uh, being being on the on on Zoom with my with the people in the prayer group that pray for the ten o'clock service and and so forth and so on, I love that. I absolutely love that. But it's not quite the same as actually being there, and that's why that's why things like the incarnation, an incarnational uh, practice of medicine becomes a very sacred piece of business, and I find that to be incredibly sacred, because putting my hands on another per- on another person for the purposes of of doing what I can to participate in God's design for healing allows me to be in communion with him in a way that I, I'm not able to, to be otherwise. It's not just a thing of the brain. It's a thing of the body. It's a thing of the, it's almost the liturgy of medicine, if you will. It becomes, it becomes a holy and sacred calling. And when you take it like that, when you realize that uh, we're servants, and that our servant, our servanthood is hierarchical, then you begin to take a completely different look. When somebody is complaining about stuff, first and foremost, I am a servant of the Most High. He's my King. He's my God. He's my Lord. He's He's the one who went to the uttermost to serve me. So, I will be a servant for Him, His ambassador in servanthood to this person, even if they're irritating. And when you start taking a look at reality like that, it really changes who you are in the presence of another person. They are not someone who's taking up my time. They are someone 
who is taking up God's heart. Mm. Tom, that's just so helpful to hear. Thank you very much for sharing with us today. Um, yeah, I much appreciated. Yeah, it's a, it's a blessing to spend time with you. Thank you very much for calling. Well, that was great there to hear from from Tom and a great reminder that there are many people at home suffering with chronic pain, people that we need to keep in our prayers and a great reminder as well of the number of healthcare professionals who are conducting um, their consultations by telephone and just so grateful for the use of modern technology aren't we to enable this to happen but Tom also reminding us that that medicine, that healthcare is very much a hands-on thing, there's an incarnational element to our healthcare and that's something to be praying for, that as people are separated from caregivers and obviously from relatives, that actually we would see a time come when we can see that time restored. But let's thank God that actually at this time, um, physicians like Tom can have quality conversations that can then lead into further management down the line. That's been another voice from the front line. You can subscribe to the First Incision podcast. Why don't you do that? Um, leave us a review, recommend it to others. We are speaking with people every weekday. Uh, in the COVID-19 pandemic. Bye for now.